Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm welcome to Milwaukee, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Houston Family Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Vicens Ben Wilson is going to be stopping by. We're going to be talking about some of these struggles of the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to be taking a look at the way that he's been able to attack some of these playoff derivative markets, odds to be able to make slash miss a playoff in some of these cases, and just the outlook on some of these teams that they are trying to be able to bust into the postseason. And then we're going to be taking a look at some games for Sunday. And then in the final segment, I am going to be giving you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday and a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JNN underscore one. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but a fantastic day of baseball on Saturday as each out of the final five games on the card wound up being one run game. So let's take a look back at everything that we wound up getting, try to find some trends, and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The St. Louis Cardinals overcome a 5-4 to four deficit in the ninth inning to get the job done by kind of 6-5 of five against the Atlanta Braves. These two will square off on Sunday Night Baseball. But Travis Arano, he was able to get to Jordan Montgomery, 14th home run season. Montgomery in his first four starts as a Cardinal had allowed just one run. Gives up five and five innings in this spot, including that home run. But 
Jojo Romero was able to give you a scoreless inning. Jordan Nix, two scoreless innings and fresh off the injured list. Ryan Elsley, scoreless inning to be able to get it done. The Cardinals do wind up stranding 11 men on base despite going 1-4 of four with men in scoring position, which that's very strange in and of itself. But Nolan Arenado, fresh off the paternity list, 27th home run season. And Charlie Morton also gives one up to Austin Kisner, his second home run season. For Morton, gives up four runs, including those two bombs over the course of five innings. And then Colin McHugh, Rossi Iglesias, AJ Minter, I'll give you a scoreless saying before Kenley Jansen. Gets this one on the ninth inning, and he blows a save, giving up two runs. That is the Kenley Jansen that we all know and love. The San Francisco Giants blew the lead in the ninth inning. They're up by kind of 2-0. Game goes to extras. Minnesota gets it done 3-2 as Alex Cobb, not necessarily a ton of length, but five scoreless settings. Zach Liddell, Alex Young both give you a scoreless setting. And then John Brebbia gives you two outs out of the bullpen before Camilio Duvall gets the final of the eighth inning, but then... Comes in in the ninth, gives up two runs, and Dominic Leon allows a walk-off winner as he winds up walking three in the tenth inning as it was a walk-off walk for the Minnesota Twins. Relatively solid start from Sonny Gray. Once again, not a lot of length, giving up one run over the course of five innings as we also wound up seeing some rain in this one as well, which wound up influencing this a tad but killed. Theobar, Griffin, Jacks, make it Jacks up. They combined for two scoreless innings. Trevor McGill. Two innings, giving up one run along the way, but Yohan Duran pitches a scoreless end thing to be able to get the win, and Minnesota, who left 14 men on base in this one, they get it done by kind of 3-2, to two, and as a result, they pretty much stay on path in terms of the AL Central race as the Chicago White Sox now find themselves five games back of the Cleveland Guardians because they fall on Saturday 10-5 to five to the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks put up a five spot in the second inning. They don't get any home runs, but they go five of 15 with Ben in scoring position. As for the White Sox, Davis Martin, he winds up getting shelled. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in three innings. No help whatsoever from his fielding. Vince Velasquez has to complete four innings. Gives up just one run along the way, and Jake Diekman gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Jose Ruiz, he winds up getting it out of the bullpen. And for the White Sox, they did wind up striking for a pair in the eighth, and then three runs surrendered in the ninth inning by Joe Kelly without giving up an out, and he now has a 70 RA before Ronaldo Lopez pitches a scoreless saying Gavin Cheats just wind up going deep off of Merrill Kelly for his 10th home run season as Kelly. He gives up four runs over the course of seven and a third innings, including that homer, but was probably left out there a little bit too long. Mark Blanson inherited some runners. He did not hold any of them on as he gave up a run in a third of an inning. Joe Mantiply, though, was able to give you an out of the bullpen. And Luis Frias, a scoreless saying to bump his ERA down to a 972 and get the job done for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have been playing some relatively solid baseball recently. They are now 3-1 in their last four games. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, how about what this team has been able to do on offense? Maybe not been able to score four-plus runs in five out of their last six games. Speaking of offense, you did not wind up seeing much of that from the L.A. Dodgers. The DK Nation pick of the under in the Miami Marlins on the L.A. Dodgers game does wind up hitting as Sandy Alcantara winds up being able to fortify his case for Anil Sion. 2-1 to one, the final complete game from Alcantara. 111 pitches, 10 strikeouts, lone run that he gave up, so home run to Mookie Betts. 30th home run season for Betts, and he stranded the bases loaded in this one to end the game as Justin May. Good start. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Now, this against a Marlins team that scored four runs or fewer in 24 out of their last 26 games, but still relatively solid work there as for the Dodgers. He did wind up having 
Caleb Ferguson and Phil Bickford gave a scoreless inning, but they could not get any runs off of Alcantara, and we wound up seeing a lot of teams score either zero or one runs, including the Houston Astros. Three to one, they wind up losing to the Baltimore Orioles as this was a great start from Dean Kramer. He winds up giving up one run in seven and two-thirds innings before Felix Batista gets a four-out save, not allowing anything in for the Orioles. Pair of bombs in this one. Austin, the say is kid, 15th home run season, and Anthony Santander, 23rd home run season. Those both come off of Jose Rakiti. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. From there, the bullpen, which for the Astros has been one of the best in the big leagues, did their part. Seth Martinez, Phil Mayton, and combined three scoreless innings, and then Brian Abreu was able to give you a scoreless inning, and yet another under for the Houston Astros. They and the Detroit Tigers leading the way in that category. The Cleveland Guardians wind up being able to erase a deficit late. They win by a count of 4-3 to three, thanks to a 3-spot in the 8th inning as Jose Ramirez a little bit earlier in this game. He goes deep off of Luis Castillo, 26th home run season as Castillo. Allows that solo run over the course of 6 innings, but Andres Munoz, who has been very good recently for Seattle, gives up 3 runs in the 8th inning. As Diego Castillo, Matthew Festa, they both provide a scoreless inning, but for Seattle, they just need to bend on for these home runs. Three solo homers accounted for their three runs as Julio Rodriguez, 21st home run of the season, and Eugenio Suarez, 24th home run season, and Jake Lamb insert those all come off of Zach Fleasak, who gives up three solo home runs over the course of seven innings. As a matter of fact, gave up three hits, all of which were solo home runs. From there, James Karinczak, Emmanuel Classe, scoreless eighth and ninth innings. The New York Yankees wind up falling to the Oakland A's by a count of 3-2. to two. This game was 0-0 zero to zero going into the 10th inning. Both teams wound up committing a pair of errors. Both teams wound up scoring most of their runs on errors, by the way. As the only runs in this game that were not scored via air, that was off the bat of Stephen Vogt. Vogt was able to get a pinch hit home run his sixth home run season as Adam Aller. One in allowed and no runs in eight scoreless innings. Domingo Acevedo is scoreless inning. A.J. Buck gives up two unearned runs in the 10th inning before you wind up getting a scoreless 11th out of Joel Piamps. And for the New York Yankees, and Domingo Amaro was good. Seven and two-thirds inning scoreless innings. Jonathan Luizga, pair of outside the bullpen scoreless. Ron Medanacchio gives up two runs, one of which was earned off that home run to vote in the 10th inning. And then Lou Trevino, the former A, he winds up allowing an unearned run in the 11th inning. So the Oakland A's get it done as a rather sizable underdog. The San Diego Padres get it done as a pretty good-sized favorite, 4-3. to three. They wind up taking down the Kansas City Royals as you Darvish. Struggled a little bit on the road, and not necessarily his sharpest start here. Three runs surrendered over the course of seven innings, but Robert Suarez, along with Dick Martinez, both landed a scoreless setting in. It was Will Myers who wanted going deep off of Daniel Lynch in this one. Third home run of the season for Lynch. He winds up giving up that home run. Four runs in total over the course of five innings. From there, the bullpen wins a bat. Carlos Hernandez, two scoreless sayings, and then Colin Sider, Scott Barlow. Both land a scoreless saying. The Colorado Rockies get shut out by a count of 3-0 to zero against the New York Mets, and the Colorado Rockies just absolutely ridiculous. Home and road splits wind up continuing as this is a Rockies bunch at this season. They're 18-42 and 42 on the road. Meanwhile, at home, 36-32, and 32, so you can tell the unevenness there, and for the Colorado Rockies, was well, not necessarily bad pitching in this one as he did wind up having Kyle Freeland take the loss, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. He did allow a home run along the way, going deep for the New York Metropolitans. Brandon Nimmo, his 12th home run season. From there, one run in two innings surrendered by Justin Lawrence. Jake Bird was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for Colorado, they wind up mustering five hits. They go 0 of 2 of men in scoring position as Adamano Vino winds up coming in for the save because Edwin Diaz had been used up the day before. He, Trevor May, Seth Lugo, all under scoreless inning, and the namesake of this podcast, David Peterson, six scoreless innings. The Peterson family rejoices as he wound up being able to deliver the goods. 
which is what we strive for from all Petersons on this podcast. You know what else was delivering the goods? Dallas Keuchel and the goods that he delivers is overs. 11-2, the Detroit Tigers completely pummeled Dallas Keuchel. Why three different teams have decided that, you know what, we should give Dallas Keuchel a start is beyond me, but I need one of giving up seven runs on 11 hits. 7-11, he's always open to giving it up as he winds up going five and a third innings in this one, and he did wind up giving up a home run in this one as it was Jameer Candelario getting home run number 11 of the season. Eric Haas from there, he winds up getting home run number nine in the ninth inning off of Josh Saboris. Saboris, he winds up giving up four runs over the course of an inning. Dennis Santana, one and two-thirds inning. Scoreless and Brett Martin, he was able to give you a scoreless inning as well as Eloise Garcia. 21st home run season. He goes deep off of Daniel Norris late in this game as Eduardo Rodriguez. Very solid. Giving up one run over the course of six innings for Norris. Gives up that solo run over the course of an inning. Wilves, Joey Menace. Both gave you a scoreless inning, but Dallas Keiko. Boy, oh boy, that is a gift that keeps on giving. And so is plus money and fading the Washington Nationals. Six to two. The Cincinnati Reds wind up getting the WSA. Got a trio of home runs in this one as Kyle Moran. Home run number five of the season. Kyle Farmer home run number eight. And you wind up having TJ Friedel go deep for home run number two of the season as Paulo Espino winds up giving up one of those home runs. Three runs in total, of course, of five and a third innings. And why Jake McGee is currently on a roster, I have no idea. Two solo bombs given up in two-thirds of an inning, giving up two runs along the way. Carl Edwards Jr. gives up a run in an inning. And Victor Rano, Hunter Harvey, they both provide a scoreless setting in for Washington. You did wind up having Lane Thomas go deep. 13th home run season off of Luis Sessa, who provided a little bit more length in this start. Gives up that solo run. One run in total over the course of four innings. From there, Ian Gabo, two scoreless innings. Joel Kuno was able to deliver a scoreless inning as well. And Buck Farmer, Alexis Diaz, they combined for two innings. Farmer winds up giving up a run out of the bullpen. So the Reds are able to get it done as they wind up going just one of five with men in scoring position. But a nice display of power from them. The Boston Red Sox win their third series of the season against an ALE team and their second of more than one game. Five to one. They wind up taking down the Tampa Bay Rays as for the Rays, not a lot doing on offense. Randy Rosarena was doing all that he could, but not a lot there. Jeffrey Springs winds up getting lit up for five runs over the course of six innings and gives up home run to Kike Hernandez. Sixth home run season. From there, Garrett Clevenger winds up being able to deliver two scoreless innings in for Boston. Rich Hill, by far his best start of the year. 11 punch outs in seven scoreless innings. George Sitch Familia winds up giving up a run in two thirds of an inning. And John Schreiber, a four out save for the Boston Red Sox, but the Red Sox. Two of three with men in scoring position. They took advantage of every opportunity that they got. The Milwaukee Brewers wind up putting up seven runs in the final two innings of their game against the Chicago Cubs. Again, done by a count of seven to zero. Got a feel for Drew Smiley here. Six scoreless innings, and then the bullpen lit this game on fire. Michael Rucker gives up three runs in one and two-thirds innings, including a pair of homers. And Rowan Wick, four runs, three of which were earned, given up while getting just one out for the Brewers. Going deep in that final sequence, Colton Wong, ninth home run season. William Adams is 26th. Christian Yelich, his seventh home run season. For Christian Yelich, his second home run since, like, the dawn of time. It had been a very long time, and for Brandon Woodruff, an amazing start here for the Brewers. Ten strikeouts on six scoreless innings for him, and then Taylor Rogers, Matt Bush, Brent Suter all deliver a scoreless setting in a game that the Brewers could really use. And you know what? The Blue Jays could have used this game, but they don't get it. Two to zero. The LA Angels get it done. I show you, Tommy. It was showtime. Gives up two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, and seven scoreless settings. Jimmy Ergett gets two scoreless settings out of the bullpen. And for the Angels, the main form of offense 
Andrew Velasquez, he goes deep in the ninth inning off of Anthony Bass for home run number eight of the season. Alec Manoa, I think it's fair to say he was a tough loser in this one. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. He had been a little bit less than sharp recently. This was a good start from him. Yimi Garcia, scoreless saying, and then Anthony Bass gives up that home run in his inning of work, but for the Blue Jays, two hits in this one. Absolutely nothing doing for them. A lot doing for the Philadelphia Phillies, though. They take down the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of six to zero as for the Buckos, they go 0 of 6 with Ben in scoring position and Tyler Beatty. He gets completely little blaze. If you want to be having the over in this one, you had to feel good after he gave up six runs over the course of three innings, including a home run to Nick Cassiano's 13th home run season. But Kyle Gibson, he was on his game. Seven scoreless settings. Sam Coonrod, Nick Nelson, they both deliver a scoreless setting in. Credit where credit is due to the Pirates bullpen. J.C. Young probably should be getting starts. At this point, three scoreless things put him in instead of Beatty. And then Eric's out. And then you wind up having Cam View also both wind up delivering a scoreless inning. And that was a little bit of a theme from Saturday. We did wind up seeing a lot of lower scoring games. We are now at 926 unders to 863 overs for the season. So 51.8% of baseball games this season have wound up going under the total in favorites. They're winning about 60% of the time. 1,126 and 755 straight up home favorites have been even better. 711 and 468 straight up. But among these home favorites, you've now seen 218 of them fail to be able to cover the run line. And if you're taking a look at the last seven days in general in baseball, it's been a little bit topsy-turvy, but 53.4% of games have wound up going under the total in this span with favorites going 55 and 35 and then if you widen it out a little bit more, you have seen over the last 30 days, 52.7% of games go under 202 unders, 181 overs. Favorites in the time span hitting are at around 61.5%, 252 and 157, according to our good friends at Covers, while home favorites, 153 and 87. And among those home favorites, all but 40 have been able to cover the run line. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Saturday. Now let's take a look forward at Sunday and take a look at what's going right and not right for the Milwaukee Brewers. We do that with Ben Wilson of Beeson next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show. It's myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of Beeson Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and great to be joined by our guest. It's Ben Wilson. Does an absolutely amazing job over at Beeson, doing a wide variety of things. You've been seeing him recently on shows such as Primetime Action. I know that he's been doing a lot of work on the weekends, and you're going to be seeing him a lot. During the weekends, this upcoming football season, as I know that he does a lot with Visa and Bet Center, our weekly show, The Run Line, pertaining to baseball. He has done an amazing job with Adam Burke on that program all season long. And if you ever recall the voice, that's because Ben also does a great job in terms of his play-by-play work as well, doing some college basketball over there at Fox Sports when that's in season. I know that he was doing some indoor football league action as well. So 
This is a man of very many talents. And to be able to follow Ben Wilson on Twitter, that is at Ben underscore Wilson, then an underscore after that, and the number one all together. And Ben, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Hey, you're the man, Greg. Great to be on as well. Yes, a very busy time for all of us here on VSIN, but I mean, you kind of wait for this, right? It's been the dog days of summer here. So even though football is ramping up again, which obviously we're we're all huge football fans, I, I just love a good pennant race. And that's certainly what we have in Major League Baseball, even if there are Look, some of my futures are not in great positions right now. We can probably talk about that. I did make a Brewers to miss the playoffs bet the other day here before that number really got crazy and and out of hand. I think it's juiced as high as like minus 170 now at Circa. Uh, But with that all being said, I'm still really excited to see how this final structure of the season goes here. Yep. And I would say right now, in terms of the pennant races that we've got, I know that a lot of people will take a look at the AL Central and think that perhaps the White Sox have a shot to be able to catch your Guardians. But I just take a look at the NL East right now. The Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets, they're right around two to two and a half games, depending upon what winds up happening with Saturday night's games away from each other. And I do think that we've got some very critical series that are upcoming. And Sunday Night Baseball between the Braves and the Cardinals, it's going to be critical for both teams, for both of their races, with the Cardinals a little bit more to be able to win the NL Central. But I take a look at that National League East. I do think that it's very fascinating, especially with the Phillies, who I don't think that they're going to win the division. They're just a little bit too far back, getting back Bryce Harper. So whoever winds up playing them the final month or so of the season, they're going to be in for a very tough task because I think they can wind up making some noise in the postseason. Well, look, I totally agree with you. It's sort of the reason why, and I, I get that a lot of these derivative, yes, you know, make the playoff bets, or I know a lot of the books out there now are offering, you know, who's going to be the exact third wild card, things like that. Those can be a little bit tough to have a ton of conviction on just because it is sort of a multi-tiered handicap in that sense. But a big reason why a couple of those teams you just mentioned and why I, I made the Brewers bet that I did to miss the playoffs comes down to Philadelphia to me, even though they're ahead of San Diego right now, I still have enough trust. I, I still am a believer in the talent that San Diego has, even though now we know there's going to be no Tatis the rest of the year. And even with the way they have underperformed in, in big stretches this season. And they do have the fourth toughest strength of schedule here still remaining, but it is really, for me, Philadelphia, who's been this kind of Jekyll and Hyde team, and they had all the expectations at the start of the year, totally failed to meet those, and they fired Joe Girardi, and since then have been a top-10 team in baseball. The ninth easiest schedule for them, still seven games against the Braves. That's really the big home stretch here for the Phillies, trying to at least yeah, carve into the big deficit they have in the NL East. I, but I do believe, especially with getting Harper back, we've you see these teams, Greg, every year that they don't do much to like wow you. You don't look at them and say, well, oh, that's a World Series contender. But the teams like that that have a really good baseline of general talent and who go through a lot of stuff when it comes to either firing a manager or you have a star get injured or a bullpen that's just been completely unreliable. And we've talked about this before. Saranthine Dominguez, to me, Greg, was their best, most dynamic reliever, and he's now on the 15-day IL. Just as it seemed like their bullpen was kind of getting into a, you know, into full force as a unit you could actually rely on. You do see this, though, a lot where a team like that who goes through so much, at the end of the day, by we throw the whole uh, you know, overcoming adversity thing out probably way too much, but if you are going to make a comp to that, I think Philadelphia is a team that, sure, is there ceiling uh, a World Series? Probably not, but I still believe with 36 games for them still to go and I mean, you look at about a dozen series left for them. I, I definitely expect them to keep holding serve. I mean, they've got two series left against the Nats, two against the Marlins, and then series against the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Diamondbacks. So I would still expect Philadelphia to be in that mix. Will it be them or San Diego who ends up in that two spot? It's really hard to say. 
But I, I do feel like Milwaukee really is on the outside looking in. And again, if, if you're able to get to that number before it gets out of hand, I think the Nevada books have priced that pretty properly now, Greg. Some of these Coast books, you're still seeing right around even money, which I just don't understand at all. That one of those teams is not going to make it, even if Fangraphs has the playoff probabilities at 50% or higher for all of them. It's just, it's not how it works. There's not enough spots. And they're probably not catching St. Louis at this point. So I'm with you, Greg, and what you say on Philadelphia. And it's, it's a reason why it led me into that Milwaukee bet that I made. And I do think that looking at Milwaukee for Sunday is something worth doing as well, because the guy on the mound for Milwaukee is a concern and a big reason why I can't buy into the Brewers making the postseason as joining me on the podcast. We do have Ben Wilson, and you were talking about the Phillies being a little bit Jekyll and I. How about this Brewers pitching staff? Because all of a sudden, Brandon Woodruff has been very reliable for them since coming off the injured list. I recognize Corbin Burns wound up getting lit up in his last start against LA, but you know what? The LA Dodgers have been lighting up a little bit of everyone this season. He's still been relatively solid for the team, and Freddie Peralta, for that matter. He has pitched very solid for the team as well, but Eric Lauer and insert whoever you want in the five spot here has not been able to give the Brewers very good starts whatsoever. And that's right now the issue for them. And it's a little bit of an issue moving forward for the Toronto Blue Jays as well. We can dive into that if you want as well, because I do feel like as long as you've got Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, and Mitch White for two starting spots between the three of those guys, you do wind up having a little bit of an issue there as well. But I take a look at the Brewers and the fact that Eric Lauer has given up 16 homers over the course of his last 13 starts, and the fact that after he looked very good the first we can call it two months of the season as just completely regressed from there. It's a big reason why the Brewers are in the spot that they are. Look, everything you say, I think, carries a lot of weight. And I think some of the casual bettors are going to look at Lauer and say, well, he was great on Monday to shut out the Dodgers. And it's one of the more, I guess this is kind of baseball in a nutshell, right? Where you sometimes get some of these really bizarre player X versus team Y specific statistics. And Lauer, like a top five ERA for a specific player just against the Dodgers here. Over the last, whatever it is, five seasons, it's, it's just so bizarre. As we know, he had all the time in San Diego and faced them a bunch as a Padre. But talk about a season where he's been able to kind of beat the regression. And, you know, in a sense, Greg, we're, you know, look, we're the, in the final weekend in August. So there's a lot of pitchers out there right now. The guys who have significantly outpitched their regression or the guys who have been consistently all you know, unlucky all season. I'm kind of at the point where, like with Tony Gonson, like we talked so much about the aggression that he's outpitched so far and the big differences between expected ERA and fielding independent pitching to his ERA. But it's like at a certain point, you, you know, you kind of just throw the charmed label at some of these guys. Bauer's a little bit different of a case, though, because, and it, look, a lot of negative regression towards him, 344 on the ERA, 473, though, to the fielding independent pitching and over four on the XERA and the, the expected fielding independent pitching. Certainly the fact that it's still a low BAPIP right around 250 for him. And he's, as you talked about the home run numbers that he's given up, definitely have a lot of those concerns. And, and that could be a spot. I mean, we, the Cubs, it's just you know, part of the frustration there with having a Brewers. I, I know I just mentioned them to miss the playoffs ticket, but I also have a preseason to win the NL Central ticket. that We've talked about a bunch on the show. So it has been really frustrating to watch the offense as well for Milwaukee fail to do anything outside of really hit solo home runs. It kind of seems like that's become their identity. You know, last time I checked, look, still top five in the majors in home runs, and yet they're bottom 10 in average. And so when you have a guy like Lauer, who's sort of a high-variance guy, especially one who's prone to give up the long ball and who's got a lot of negative regression, the Cubs have won the season series against the Brewers so far, 
And yeah, at least the first line we're seeing, it's even, you know, Adrian Sampson and the Cubs are on a dollar forty underdog. If you wanted to take the position, Greg, of just fading this Milwaukee team on a daily basis right now, especially when they are favorites in particular spots like these against teams they really have struggled with, even though it's a Cubs team, you would have assumed they'd have taken care of their business against. No problem if you want to go that route and, and look to fade Milwaukee there. Yep. And I do think that with the Brewers, for me, it's sort of a pitcher by pitcher fade because I've been looking at Beth Brandon Woodruff quite a bit. Corbin Burns, aside from what he winds up going up against the LA Dodgers, relatively reliable as well, though obviously the price is going to indicate that as well. You're gonna, you're not going to get the same price on Corbin Burns as you're going to on, say, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, if they dare give him another start after what we want him seeing last time around. Hey. He looked a little bit more like Doogie Hauser. Discussion for another day there, but that was not too great. But I do think that it is very important to look start by start with the Brewers and Eric Lauer. It's been a little bit rough for him. It's going to be on the podcast. We do have Ben Wilson. And Ben, when it comes to the Sunday slate, we actually do have a lot of games that carry a lot of weight in terms of postseason. I laid it out a little bit before. This Braves versus Cardinals series, massive for both of these teams. It's going to be Jake Odorizzi going up against Adam Wainwright on Sunday Night Baseball. No doubt that is going to be top of mind. But are there any other games that you're taking a look at that you think are going to have some big playoff implications? Because the other one, in my opinion, that really stands out is this Guardians versus Seattle Mariners game with Aaron Savali and Robbie Ray going at it because Robbie Ray has been so good for the Mariners and the Guardians. They're looking to be able to hold on to that AL Central lead. And with Aaron Savali, he's actually been a little bit of a godsend for the Guardians after he had a rough start to the season and was dealing with injuries a lot. I do think that it's going to be important for Robbie Ray to be able to hold serve where he's been best at home because with Seattle, they're in a very tight wild card race. And with the Baltimore Orioles being able to seal a game a little bit earlier in the series from Houston, they're still a team that is not going away in this playoff race. Yeah, and that's funny you mentioned that game. That's the game I first gravitated towards on the Sunday card. And I'd probably look for maybe a first five under in that game. And that's that's your lowest total on the board, at least the overnight the lines that have first been posted by DraftKings at about seven, little juice to the over there. So even a even a three and a half first five under, I'd be looking at the Savali thing is fascinating, and that's a guy I was really high on coming into the year. I invested in him. He was in fantasy purposes. He was a guy I was high on. He was a sleeper of mine who um, I, I had a lot of shares in entering the year, and comes out at the start of the season and, and just didn't have it, and was it didn't go more than four innings his first two starts, gave up four runs each of those first two outings, and. And then it got even worse and hits the IL, takes some time off, comes back. Didn't look like that really corrected anything at all, even though the first start back off the IL in June against Minnesota was okay, two runs in five innings. And yeah, it's wild how for a guy who's just been lost, it seeming like, seeming, seemingly has looked like at least most of the year, to come back in his three starts since, I mean, 14 and two-thirds, only four earned runs combined, 18 strikeouts, only three walks. He's relied more on the curveball, at least it, it has looked like to me, Greg. And, you know, maybe that's something that they were able to figure out during a couple of these IL stints and what he has needed to focus on. His curveball usage is up to 27% this year. It was right around 16% a season ago. So he's really gotten rid of the slider from his arsenal and relying more on that big old slow 12-6 curve that's in the low 70s. And, more of a cut fastball, which is more effective. So, like, you got got to give the guy credit too for in, in a situation where for a lot of pitchers that would be kind of a lost season, and you just punt on it. He's at least given the Guardians something, and it's a big reason why. You know, you, you sit and you look at where they're at in the division, and they're still leading the way. And even though most people have pegged them third in that pecking order between the Twins, White Sox, and Guardians all year, like Cleveland's still getting the job done. So, I was wanting to be a believer all year in Savali. Now that we actually have some data 
that backs that up. I would be a believer in him again, and I'd certainly look at the total instead because of, of how good Ray has been, as you pointed out. Even plus 130, a nibble there, I, I wouldn't hate either, as the Guardians would be a dog in that spot in Seattle on Sunday. Yep, and then there's one line that is really jumping out to me that I think is just one of the most intriguing on the board because we're talking about all these playoff teams, but as we know, this time of year, we wind up getting two toilet bowl teams going up against each other as well, and We've got the turkey tosser himself, Patrick Corbin, going up against yeah. Nick Lodolo of the Reds. Right now I'm seeing the Reds between minus 115 to minus 120 and a total of 8.5. I recognize Patrick Corbin had a little bit of a better start against the San Diego Padres, but this is a man that legitimately is trying to become just a second 20-game loser in the big league since 1980. And I'm not sure about you, but minus 115 to minus 120 to back a guy, Nick Lodolo, who... I mean, he's not Cy Young at this point, but he's a young guy that has actually had a halfway decent season. He's getting 12 strikeouts per nine innings. I like what I've seen out of him. Laying minus 115 to the minus 120 to be able to fade Patrick Corbin seems like a really good bargain, in my opinion. I'm with you, too. It's a nice team that's been 500 since the awful 3-22 start. I mean, Lodolo took a no-hitter threw five into that last outing in Philadelphia, and then, as is the case for a lot of young pitchers in Citizens Bank Park, Against a pretty potent lineup in the Phillies, the wheels just completely fell off. But I'm definitely with you on that. And and the Reds, they kind of top my list, Greg, of teams. That, you know, you look at the strength of schedule and certain sites will order the strength of schedule as well, not only by winning percentage, but they'll show you how many games are still left against the bad teams and the good teams. So even though the Reds will obviously show up as a bad team down the stretch, that is team number one uh, as far as spoilers can, can go here down the stretch. And I'll be really interested to see how that gets kind of priced into the market, especially as we, as you point out, we get into September and there are going to be the stretches where, where, you know, odds makers and I'm sure a lot of betters think, well, okay, this team needs wins and they're facing the Reds. So surely that, you know, they'll win. I mean, like the Cardinals have eight games left against the Reds. The Brewers have seven against the Reds. So I'm not, and that was part of, again, I talked about the handicap earlier, Brewers to miss the playoffs. Like those are not games. I just expect Milwaukee to win and the Reds could certainly give I, I would think could you know, potentially give St. Louis some trouble too here down the stretch so that is a really interesting team to look at and I've been a fan of Lodolo's growth and development certainly more than some of the other you know, other young arms that they've had there in Cincinnati even though Hunter Green's had more of the spotlight and the expectations there so I'd certainly be on your side there Greg. It's always a gift whenever we wind up getting Patrick Corbin on the betting board and not necessarily to wind up backing him so it is shall we say a national cash-in moment whenever we're able to get in on that. And something that we're always able to cash in is the great content of you, Ben. You do an absolutely amazing job over here at Visa, and your play-by-play work is second to none as well. I know that you are going to be incredibly busy these next few months. Football season is upon us, and weekends at Visa, it is going to be a lot of you that is going to be on the network. And I know that you're going to be doing a lot just throughout the entirety of the football season. Then once we get into college basketball season, I know that's when play-by-play really heats up for you as well. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you. Now people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and as always, appreciate the invite here, Greg. I'm at uh, yeah, Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. And at least I can, this is not a new show, so I can say this. During the weeks, I'll be on Lombardi line at VSIN uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which is noon to two Eastern. So we'll be with Mike Pritchard and uh, Michael Lombardi, just two outstanding 
football mind. So really excited for that. And then we will release our new schedule on Monday of this week. And I'll be on a bunch of our Saturday and Sunday shows. So excited for that. And then uh, I actually just added NBA G League. There's a new G League team here, Greg, coming to Vegas. So I'll be doing the radio games for them starting in November. Really, really excited about that. The G League Ignite, they've produced a bunch of lottery picks here over the last few years. And F.A. Abagidi was one of the first guys who just signed with them for this upcoming year, as you know, from uh, from Wazoo. So that'll be really fun. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it's going to get fast and furious here in the uh, coming weeks and months. It's absolutely insane. It is a case of which teams upon teams are coming to Las Vegas. I mean, just five years ago, they didn't have the WNBA team. The Vegas Golden Knights had just come to Las Vegas. I think that that's now five years ago to the date, pretty much, that they did wind up coming to Las Vegas. And now you've got a G League team coming to Las Vegas. We shall see if a baseball team is going to be coming as well, because there's a certain team in Oakland that's getting fewer folks into the door than the Las Vegas Aviators right now. So we shall see what winds up happening there. And Ben, he is at the middle of just so much of the sports scene in Las Vegas. Does a great job over here at the network. And every time he joins this podcast, always delivers the goods. A big thanks to Ben Wilson for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the BC Family of Podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Ben Wilson on the show. Myself and Ben are both natives of the great state of Wisconsin, so always great to be able to talk a little Milwaukee Brewers with them. But on top of that, he does an absolutely amazing job with just everything that he provides here at VEASAN. He does a wide variety of shows, especially the weekend shows that we're going to be having during the football season. And on top of that, his play-by-play work as things are starting to expand a lot in Las Vegas is great during the college basketball season. He does a lot there. For baseball, it's a lot more of the college baseball scene as well, but every time he joins this podcast, always delivers the good. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at June underscore D1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order on this. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games. Any interleague games, those are going to be at the bottom. Looks like we are going to be getting three on this Sunday. So without further ado, let's dive into this card with 9.51, 9.52 on the betting board. It is a Peacock game, the LA Dodgers. They hit the road, they're facing off against the Miami Marlins. As Edward Cabrera is going to be going for the fish, and Julio Arias is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves between minus 260 and minus 270 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 225 and plus 240 is your price on Miami 7 as the total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And with Miami, didn't need at least a plus 225 to be able to take a shot on them. This is a Miami team in which it's been very, very grody. 
as to what we've been able to get out of this offense because well, for the Miami Marlins, they have scored three runs or fewer and now 23 out of their last 26 games. Four runs or fewer in 24 out of their last 26 games, but they do have someone in Edward Cabrera who I really like. Now, the one thing with Edward Cabrera is that he doesn't necessarily deliver the world's greatest length. He did wind up going eight strong in his start against the Oakland A's, but past that since coming off the injured list, really hasn't gone more than five and two-thirds innings. And a big reason why is because he is giving up four and a half walks per nine innings, but this guy is superb self. You take a look at the strikeouts per nine rate. It is north of 10. He's providing a buck 41 ERA. Does a good job of being able to miss some barrels. On the road, he's got a buck 59 ERA this season. This guy has a whole big, giant upside. Meanwhile, for Uli Orias, he's been able to do his best work on the road really the last two seasons. Last year, he wound up winning 20 total games out of those wins. He wound up having 13 of them wind up coming on the road last two seasons. He's had a full half a point better on his ERA on the road rather than at home. And for Mr. Arias, Giving up to six home runs in 72 and a third innings on the road compared to 10 bombs in 61 and a third innings. And Omi's really done a good job of not giving up a lot of walks as well. Right around two walks per nine innings. Opponents are at 206 overall off of home strikeouts per nine rate. Hovers in the neighborhood about an 8.8. And he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen as Evan Phillips, Caleb Ferguson, both posting up a sub-3 ERA. Craig Kimbrell's been a little bit of an albatross along with Chris Martin. But you've been able to get some solid innings as well ever since he's returned out of Bruce Arter Gratterall. And for Mookie Betts, one more could be said about this guy. He wound up having a five at-bat stretch between Friday and Saturday, in which the man wound up having three home runs and five RBI along four hits in that stretch. He has been absolutely incredible for the team. And then past that, he saw a lot of matches behind him as Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, all between 16 and 18 home runs now. Muncy, Cody Bellinger, you're able to throw in there. Austin Barnes, Joey Gal, all these guys have had a tough time getting a base this season, but Freddie Freeman is sitting right around at 325. Trey Turner, he does a great job sealing some bases. He's sitting above the three. For the Miami Marlins, you've got absolutely none of that right now. You don't have a single healthy player that has been able to provide more than seven home runs this season because with guys like a Jazz Chisholm or a Solaire on the injured list, it has just become deplorably bad. And now you've got a bunch of guys like Jacob Stallings, J.J. Blade, Gerard Encarnacion, Peyton Butterick. All these guys are aiming at 225 or lower now. With Miami Marlins, not the world's worst bullpen, certainly far from the world's greatest bullpen, but Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, both of these guys posting up right around about a 375 ERA. Steven has been solid. Andrew Nardi has been absolutely terrible, but you know what? I do think that the Miami Marlins have the possibility to be able to win something like a 3-2 style game. I don't think that the Miami Marlins are going to be scratching off too many runs against Julio Arias, but if you do want to get Greg Kimbrell in there, you know what? That could even be able to help out the Miami Marlins. I'm taking a look at the under. I did wind up saying my total at 6.7. It is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, so I do think that we're in for a low-scoring game, and also keep in mind, with the Peacock game, 9.05 a.m. Pacific, 12.05 p.m. Eastern for his pitch, so a little bit of a tight turnaround here, so like the under, and with the Marlins, with Cabrera going anything of a plus 225 or greater, willing to take a shot on them. Now we go to my DK Nation pick of 9.53, 9.54 on the board. It is easy Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are into Cincinnati and they're under the road, facing off against the Washington Nationals, as Patrick Corbin is going to be going for the Nats, and Nick Lidolo is on the bump for the Reds, and the Reds are finding themselves between minus 115 to minus 120 favorites, and 
I think that you know where I'm going here with it being a Dirk Dozer himself, Patrick Corbin start. Eight and a half is your total over and under, both at minus 110. I am really the biggest decision I wound up having on this Sunday. First world problems right here. Do I wind up writing up the Cincinnati Reds money line or do I wind up writing up the over? Because Patrick Corbin is just terrible. He's got north of a 6-8 ERA this season. There is no trusting in this guy. We laid it out a little bit earlier with Ben Wilson, and I've been mentioning it on this podcast all year long. Patrick Corbin is one of the most deplorably bad starters that we have ever seen, and he has the possibility of becoming the second 20-loss pitcher that we have seen since 1980. I mean, it is not going great for him with the Washington Nationals. It's not like they back him up with the world's greatest bullpen. C.C. check. He's got right around a four-year. Carl Edwards Jr. has been okay. Kyle Finnegan has been able to pick it up a little bit as well. His ERA is down to 325, but Jake McGee, he's been an albatross. But, I mean, the turkey tosser himself. This guy has given up at least four runs and five out of his last six starts. Actually had a decent start against the San Diego Padres, but... I mean, the guy is giving up rockets as he's given up a right around 1.75 home runs per nine innings, north of three walks per nine innings. He's down to eight strikeouts per nine innings. It's just bad, 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 bad. And for Nick Lodolo, we have seen his strikeout numbers dip a little bit. He's now getting more around about 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. And he has given up three plus runs and now three out of his last four starts. And he does have an ERA that hovers right around a 690 on the road compared to a sub 2-4 at home, which is why I do like the over rather than the money line in this spot as well. But for the Reds, you are seeing some guys being able to do a solid job of being able to put bat to ball. That is bad news for a guy in Patrick Corbin that he needs any break that he can get. Donovan Solano has been able to hit well above a 300 for the team. Jonathan India, since coming off the injured list, he, Nick Zonzello, both hitting between about a 242 and 250. Kyle Farmer has been able to do a solid job of being able to move the line. Not as much firepower in terms of the home runs with the Cincinnati Reds, but certainly a capable group. And then for the Washington Nationals, they do rank in the bottom two in the National League in terms of runs on a per-game basis, but I do think that having Luke Voigt in the fold, him being able to deliver 17 home runs, that's big. Luis Garcia has been able to move the line inning at 290. Joey Manessis, a little bit of a 30-year-old journeyman who spent a lot of time at the minor league level. This has been a good story. He's hitting well above a 300. Ruiz, Mikel Franco, Nelson Cruz, these guys in between about a 235 to a 245, and then you've had Lane Thomas hit for a double-digit amount of former season. A solid job of being able to get on base as well. No way humanly possible that I can wind up backing Patrick Corbin as this low of a number and I mean the fact that we've gotten eight and a half in this one and we've been seeing low totals in this series the entirety of the way with really bad pitching that involves the Reds having the worst bullpen in the big leagues as you've got Alexis he has with a sub two ERA but I mean he's really the only bullpen piece as a sub three four ERA as Ian Gabo, Revier said Martin you're able to throw in there so many other guys anyone that did not wind up getting used yesterday because Luis Sessa is not lending any length whatsoever all these guys have north of a five ERA Reds dead last in terms of bullpen ERA which is a big reason why I did wind up writing up the over rather than the money line, but that said, I think Patrick Corbin continues to be toss of the turkey, gets carved up. I'm taking a look at the over with the DK Nation pick, semi total right around a 9.5, and this is also a circumstance in which I'm going to lay up to a minus 145 with the Cincinnati Reds. We go 955, 956 on the bang board, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They throw it to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. 
North Thor Syndergaard is going to be going for the Phils, and Oronsi Contreras is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh between a plus 250 and a plus 265 under dog, and you're looking at the Phillies, you're finding them anywhere between minus 295 and minus $3. Nine is the total, the under is minus 120, and the over is even in a circumstance where I do think that this line has gotten up a little bit too high. Ronson Contreras has actually been able to give some honest efforts here for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, and take a plus 233 or higher with Ronsi Contreras. Not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest bullpen. J.C. Young, he has been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. He's able to deliver multiple innings, but Tyler P.D. wound up really making the bullpen work hard yesterday after he wound up getting shelled once again. He has not been good as a starter, but you've been able to get some good innings out of Colin Olderman. He's seen things regress a little bit recently, but he's got a sub-4 ERA. Will Crow has been able to give you about a 3-3 ERA as well when you do wind up getting into guys like Dwayne Underwood Jr. and company that that's not great. And what else is not great is this lineup of the Pittsburgh Pirates as Tyler Heineman along with Topico Medicano, Onyo Cruz, Belay Medeiros, Gregory Allen, guys like this. They are hitting a sub-215 right now, but at the top, you do have Ben Gamble along with Brian A's. Brian Reynolds all hanging between about a 245 to 255 rounds. 20-plus home runs this season. Kevin Newman, an actually halfway decent leadoff guy, hitting at 275 for the Phillies. Being able to get back Bryce Harper, and it certainly does wind up helping them out. He's been able to hit a 320 overall for the season. He was ranking at the minor league level. He's looked solid in this series. But then Bryson Stott, he's been able to hit right around a 275 over the last 35 days for the team. Gene Segura is back. That's underrated. He's hitting a 285. JTV Muto has legitimately been the best hitting catcher in the big league since the beginning of the month of July. Kyle Schwarber has been able to go deep north of 30 times. Alec Bohm has been able to provide a 300 batting average. Reese Hoskins, 25-plus home runs now. The issue that you got with the Philadelphia Phillies as well is that you are dealing with a couple of guys that are on the injured list from this bullpen. We were talking about it with Ben Wilson. Sir Anthony Dominguez is currently on the injured list along Corey Knable. And Knable, I believe, is done for the season. Brad and Connor Brogdon, these guys have been able to do a solid job. And David Robertson is a guy that I liked at the trade deadline, 2-1-2 ERA. I do think that Contreras does wind up being able to lend a little bit of value. He's a young 22, 23-year-old that has been able to do the job this season. His walks per nine rate is high, right around a four, but he's got good electrifying stuff. He's been able to get right around eight and a half punch outs per nine innings. Has given up two runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts. Has been a little bit banged up, but I mean, he's coming off of going seven innings, giving up two runs against the Atlanta Braves. That is a very, very solid showing there. And for Ronsi Contreras, he's been pretty much equal home draw. 378 home area, 394 year on the road. Does wind up giving up the deep ball a little bit too much. Right around 1.4 home runs per 9 innings. Noah Thor Syndergaard, meanwhile, he gives up right around 1 home run per 9 innings. But for Thor, the big issue with him is that when he has started away from Los Angeles this season, his ERA winds up going up to right around about a 450. It's overall a 377 this season. Hasn't been too bad since coming over from the Philadelphia Phillies, but I mean, his four starts have come against the Reds twice, the Miami Marlins, and the Washington Nationals. That's a very small sample size. Has been able to do a nice job in terms of the walks, only giving up right around 2.2 bucks per nine innings, but I do think that this number has gotten a little bit out of whack, and I do think that Ronson Contreras going to be able to do a good job of being able to lock it down. I do find him setting my toll at some point. Eh? Pittsburgh, not a lot of offense for them, but I do think that Contreras is going to be able to lock them down as well, so I think that we get a low-scoring game, and that'll give Contreras a chance to be able to dominate and get this W. So, looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates with a big plus price along with this total under 957-958 on the main board. The New York Mets, they play us the Colorado Rockies. Audubon Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies and Mad Max Scherzer is on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are a very sizable favorite anywhere between minus 325 and minus 340. And you're looking at that run line. I'm fighting it at a minus 145. Meanwhile, 
Colorado's between a plus 280 and a plus 290 underdog with your total on this game, 7.5. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. I was willing to take a plus 260 or greater with the Rockies, so I guess this is just a bay of dogs aside from with the Washington Nationals because they just can't get behind Patrick Corbin because they're getting a lot of big underdogs thus far, but I mean, with Irma Marquez, he's been able to do a better job on the road rather than at home. I do recognize that the last start for Irma Marquez did not go his way, but Three runs are fewer surrendered, and now five out of his last eight starts. Things are starting to turn around a little bit for him. And for Irma Marquez, the basis of his problems have really been at home. 609 home ERA compared to a 411 ERA on the road, and this is a bit most telling set. 17 home runs given up in 78 and a third innings at home. Six bombs in 61 and a third innings on the road and on the road. Opponents are getting a 231 off of him compared to a 308 at home. When he's been away from Coors Field, Herman Marquez has been solid. Now, with the Colorado Rockies, you've got some very demonstrative home and road splits with regards to this offense. It is the biggest split in terms of runs per game, per location, as well as you've got so many guys like a CJ Crone. He's got 23 home runs. 17 of them have wound up coming at home. Brendan Rodgers out of his 11 bombs. 10 of them have wound up coming at home. List goes on and on. And you do have a guy in Mavic Scherzer that, I mean, he certainly should be a sizable favorite, but for Scherzer, he has given up a combined eight runs across his last two starts. Now, against the Yankees and the Atlanta Braves, both on the road, now he's at home, and now he's going up against the Colorado Rockies team that they have a tough time hitting when they're away from home, but it has been a case in which he has not necessarily been as sharp in his last few starts. I think that he's going to be able to figure it out. I like the fact that he's getting right around 10 and a half to 11 strikeouts for nine innings, but this is also a Mets team that they can be a little bit hot and cold with regards to their offense as well. Now, when it comes to the Mets, you do have a lot of guys that they do a solid job of being able to move the Lioness. Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, all these guys in between about a 263 to a 273 entering into Saturday. And obviously Alonso, he's flying the deep ball, 30-plus home runs, over 100 RBI. Marcana, he's hitting a 275. Jeff McNeil hitting above a 300 as well. And they get back Eduardo Escobar as well. So that winds up helping them out. But with the Rockies, even though the bullpen is very, very far from terrific as You've got someone like a Justin Lawrence who's been providing right around a 5 ERA. Lucas Gilbreth on the road. He's got his ERA being like three points higher than it is at home. You do have a guy in Carlos Aceves who has actually been very good down the stretch. A sub-2 ERA since the All-Star break. And for the Mets, sometimes the bridge to Edwin Diaz can be a little bit murky. Michael Givens has had north of a 70 ERA since coming over from the Chicago Cubs. It's been a better go of it recently for Seth Lugo, but he's had his highs and lows. Yoli Rodriguez has a 5 ERA as well. So one of these cases in which I was willing to set Scherzer as right Right around a minus 260 favorite. Now, I was willing to lay up to about a minus 130 on the run line. We've just gotten a little bit too far out of whack. I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. Rockies have a tough time being able to generate runs when they are on the road, but this is also a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and I think that Marquez is going to thrive in this environment. Willing to take the Rockies at this Mondo number to go along with this total under. 959-960 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to be playing against the Chicago Cubs. Adrian Sampson is going to be going for the Cubs, and Eric Lauer is on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers are between minus 155 and minus 165 favorites between plus 140 and plus 146 is your price on the Cubs. In F is the total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I did want to say my total in an 8.1. I do not necessarily have a lot of faith in the Chicago Cubs, especially with their power bats. You do have a pair of guys in Wilson Contreras along with Patrick Wisdom that have both been able to provide 20-plus home runs this season. We've been seeing Wisdom be in and out of the fold, though that does wind up hurting this team quite a bit. And you do take a look at the Chicago Cubs. you got Rafael Ortega, Alfonso Rivas, Framil Reyes, all these guys in between about a 225 to a 235. Christopher Morel, C.A. Suzuki, Nick Madrigal, they're only in that pocket about a 245 to a 255, but... 
that wisdom in the folder I recognize has been just a strikeout machine. You really don't have too many guys to wind up giving you a lot of pop. Wilson Contreras, Alonte, and App, they both provide right around 350 on base, but you do like a lot of sizzle with regards to this lineup. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, it has been a case of which it's been a deep ball or pass for them. We were talking about this with Ben Wilson as Hunter Renfro, Rowdy Tellez, Willie Adamas, all been able to provide at least 24 home runs for this team. But you really don't have that one table setter. You don't have a guy that's hitting above a 255 as Christian Yelich, Mike Brasso, Hunter Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, Colton Wong, Kessinier. These guys are in between about a 242, 255, and you really don't have anything above that. But you've had Hira since he wound up resurfacing at the big league level, be solid. And for Devin Williams, been a little bit more shaky firm recently, but still providing a sub 2-4 ERA this season. Taylor Rogers has been horribly unlucky this season. Brad Boxberger has been able to provide a sub 3 ERA, and this is a Cubs bullpen that is now diminished due to the trade deadline. You're relying upon guys like Manuel Rodriguez, Michael Rucker, Mark Leiter Jr. for innings. That's not necessarily where you want to be. Eric Yulman has actually been very solid with a 2-25 ERA in Rowan Wick since the trade deadline has been able to do a solid job as well. And then you do take a look at these starters and for Eric Lauer, not a guy that I want to trust on the road, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a better job here at home. He has given up 16 home runs over the course of his last 13 starts, but a ERA on the road of a 415, 264 at home, giving up nine home runs to 61 and a third innings at home on the road, 69 and a third innings, 15 home runs surrendered. For Lauer, he does wind up getting a little bit loose with the walks. He's been giving up a little bit over three walks per nine innings. Adrian Sampson has not had those issues. He's been giving up more in the pocket, about two and a half walks per nine innings, but for Adrian Sampson, has not necessarily been so stellar for him. He has given up at least three runs and now three out of his last five starts for Samson. It's been interesting looking at his home and road splits because he's actually got a 333 ERA on the road compared to a 450 at home giving up one home run in 24 and a third innings. But take a look at the bad numbers. He has been quite lucky on the road with that regard. So I do mind saying the Brewers minus 163 on the money line. I did need at least a plus 125 to take a shot on the run line. Currently I'm finding anywhere between about a plus 125 to a plus 130 on the run line. I would rather take a shot on the run line even though I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I do think that Lauer going to be a lockdown a Cubs team that seems to be a little bit hampered in terms of their lineup. So looking at the Brewers on the run line, so I told at 8.1 still looking under as well. 961, 962 on the betting board. It is the Atlanta Braves at the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright goes for the Cards and Jake Goderizzi is on the bump for Atlanta. Eight is your total. Overs between minus 110 and even money. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120 is your price on St. Louis. Even money to plus 106 is the number on the Braves. And I did wind up saying the Cardinals at a minus 126. Adam Wainwright has been supreme at home. Now, there might be a little bit of regression with the way that we have seen Adam Wainwright pitch at home. He is now 40 years old. 231 road ERA to a 211 home ERA. So, ready to monster two splits there, giving up five home runs at 85 and a third innings at home. But this guy has been just flat out dominant in his last few starts as well. As over his last five starts, he's won 33 innings, so he's delivered great, great length, giving up just one home run in that time span as well. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to reduce the walks. And Jake Odorizzi is just someone I really don't trust. He has given up at least three runs in two out of his four starts here with the race. The two starts in which he did not was when he went up against the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Miami Marlins, two of the poopiest offenses they're currently finding out there in the big leagues for Jake Odorizzi. Just been touch and go with him because he doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. He's getting a little bit under seven strikeouts per nine innings, giving up about 1.2 home runs. 
per nine innings. It's not like he's any sort of a terrible pitcher, but you just expect a little bit more out of the Atlanta Braves. The Braves, they do wind up backing him up with a relatively solid bullpen as A.J. Minter has been able to provide a sub-3 ERA along Tyler Mansick. You've had Rossi Iglesias since he's come over. He's been able to do a solid job for the team. Kirby Yates is really someone that you don't want any part of. They kick the tires on him. It's not going great right now, but Kenley Jansen, ever since he came off the injured list, actually did a relatively solid job. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, right now they're without Ryan Elsley, who was supposed to get a sub-1 ERA for the season. Genesis Cabrera has seen his ERA go northward, but he is able to give you multiple innings. Packy Dotton has been a little bit touch-and-go in this bullpen. Probably not going to be available for this game, but Andre Pallanti as a multi-inning guy, he has been solid as well. The Cardinals, they are sort of lacking that closer with Giovanni Gagos being a little bit hot and cold, but I do think that you are going to see Adam Wainwright do a solid job and being backed up by a lineup that just has a whole bunch of power. Paul Goldschmidt, 33 home runs, 340 batting average now. It is a case which for the Cardinals, Nolan Arenado the last few days has been on paternity leave, so a congratulations to him on that front as he's been able to hit for right around about a 300. Should be available for this game. Something to keep in mind, though. He has been able to give you 26 home runs, but Lars Newpar since the All-Star break. North of the 350 on base, he's starting to supply a little bit of power. Brandon Donovan, he's hitting a 300 as well. Nolan Gorman, he's kicking up his average. He's been able to provide a lot of multi-home run games to them for the Atlanta Braves. Austin Riley has been a little bit cold in terms of his offense recently for Riley. Over the last 30 days, he's been hanging right around 240, and he's got just three home runs in that time span. So that is a little bit of an issue for this bunch. And then you take a little bit of a look past that. Michael Harris is second, along James B. Swanson are both hitting right around 290. Matt Olson, he has been hot and cold in terms of his batting average, but he's been able to give you 25-plus home runs. William Contreras, Travis Arnaud, two of the best hitting catchers out there in the big leagues. And how about Vaughn Grisham hitting above a 350 for the team ever since he wound up getting called up? So you do have quite a bit of firepower in terms of this offense. I did want to sing my toll at 7.7. I think that Wainwright going to be able to tame these Atlanta Braves bats when he is at home. And Jake Odorizzi, I do think that this is a ballpark that suits him well as well. Both of these bullpens are relatively solid, and we've been seeing a lot of Sunday night baseball games be low-scoring slogs. So I'm looking at the under. one to lay up to a minus 126 with the Cardinals as well. 963-964 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays at the red face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bovetta is going to be going for the Sox, and Corey Kluber is on the bump for Tampa Bay. Minus 110 to minus 115 on the racing, a minus 107 out there as well. Meanwhile, for Boston, you're going to be them between even money and a minus 105 with nine being the total under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105 and for Corey Kluber, I did wind up making him a minus 114 favorite. I do think that this should be a close to pick em line, but I do give a little bit of an edge to the Tampa Bay Rays. Boston Red Sox have been able to look much more respectable in this series. As I believe that this is their third series win against an ALE team all season long, and it's very, very late August, so ding dong, the witch is dead, I guess, but with that said, for the Tampa Bay Rays, they've got a fully stacked bullpen because Jeffrey Springs, he was able to eat six innings yesterday, so you're going to have guys like a Jason Adam who's got a sub-2 ERA, Colin Pooch, Brooks, Rayleigh, both of these guys, a sub-3 ERA, they're all going to be available, so the Tampa Bay Rays firing all cylinders on that front, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, they've been able to get a little bit more offense ever since Harold Ramirez and Manuel Margot returned to the fold, both of these guys north of a 360 on base, both hitting above a 300, not necessarily a ton of power when it comes to the team, as right now, Randy Arena, he leads away with 17 home 
home runs. You've got 16 home runs out of Isaac Paredes, but much of that was a hot run in like late June, early July, as he, along with Yu Chang, you're able to throw on their Taylor Walls, Jose Siri. They're hitting a 225 or lower, but, but able to get some production as well out of Yandy Diaz with a 390 on base. And for Boston, they have found a way to be able to mix and match as well. JD Martinez seems to be getting a little bit more online as there was a like 45 day stretch in which he was hitting about a buck fifty. It was not good for him. He has been able to hit have a hit now in, I believe, each out of the last six games. So he's starting to pick it up a little bit, hitting a 275 overall for the season. Rafi Devers, Sander Bogars, Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo, all these guys are at least a 284 for this bunch, but it's really Devers, the only guy that's been able to go deep for this team. He's been able to supply 25 home runs among the three players who really don't have anyone else that has been able to hit more than 12 home runs for the team. Tommy Pham has 14 bombs, but many of those wind up occurring before he wound up getting to Boston. And for Boston, the big issue that you've got with this team, their bullpen ERA is more than a full point higher post-All-Star break than any other team out there in the big leagues. Austin Davis, you're able to throw on the Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, all these guys north of a five-year-old. Jurisdiction Familia is terrible. John Schreiber has been starting to get lit up a little bit as well. Still a 224 ERA overall for the season, but north of four over the last three days for him. He had a Casas has been okay, and Garrett Woodlock, someone I do like, but I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays, they do have a little bit of a leg up in this one. Now, Corey Kluber did wind up having a stretch in which he wound up allowing three-plus runs in five straight starts. He has shaped up ever since then, allowing just three runs over the course of his last two starts, one of them coming on the road against the New York Yankees. For Kluber, he's been giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, but very consistent home to road. 312 home ERA, 328 ERA on the road, giving up in both environments right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. He is well south of two walks per nine innings. And then with Nick Pavetta, it has been a case where he has been worse at home rather than on the road the last two seasons. 452 home ERA compared to 398 ERA on the road this season as it's along right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings at home. And for Pavetta, walks have always been an issue. He's given up right around 3.3, 3.4 walks per nine innings as well. Winds up getting right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, but I do think that the race should be able to get it done here. Won't lay up to a minus 114 with the race. Did wind up saying my toilet at 8.6 as well, especially with a rested race bullpen. I think that they're going to be able to keep this one a little bit lower scoring race. I've been looking to win in sort of a slog mentality. So we're going to be taking a look at the under in this spot to go along with the race as we go 965, 966. The Toronto Blue Jays play on the LA Angels. Tucker Davidson goes for the Angels. Ross Stripling is on the bump for Toronto. Nine is the total over and under between minus 105 and minus 115. The Blue Jays are a favorite of between minus 215 and minus 225. Plus 190 to plus $2 is what you're finding on the Angels and need at least a plus 218 to take a shot on the Angels. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Blue Jays, you're finding that at a minus 115. Was willing to lay up to a minus 123. Ross Stripling has really been one of the best pitchers for the Toronto Blue Jays all season long and has been a little bit of a godsend when Hunjin Ryu wound up going down with Jose Barrios being absolutely terrible for this team and Yusei Kikuchi being a complete and utter disaster. They needed someone to step up and Stripling has been the guy. He's got a 284 ERA. Not someone that's going to go out there and get a whole bunch of strikeouts as he's getting right around 7.6 strikeouts for nine innings, but opponents had a 231 off of him. At home, he's posted up a 265 ERA. Five out of his six home runs surrendered have been at home, but still, he's allowing less than a home run per nine innings even at home, so he's been able to do a nice job on that front, and it's allowing about 1.5 walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Tucker Davidson, this guy has no command whatsoever. For Tucker Davidson, he is giving up north of six walks per nine innings. He's allowed three home runs at 30 and a third innings between his time with the LA Angels along with the Atlanta Braves this season, but in his three starts with the LA Angels thus far, a six ERA. It's been a pretty big calamity. He is not a guy that's able to give you too many swings and misses either as he's getting right around five strikeouts per nine innings. 
Not a lot of redeeming qualities there. Now, the Angels have taken the first two games of the series, but the Angels, they still have scored three runs or fewer. And now, and I'm not even kidding here, seven out of their last eight games. This is not a good offense. Mike Trout, he has been able to go deep in now three out of the last four games. But you take a look at the bottom of the fold. Mike Ford, along with Max Stassi, Andrew Velasquez, Kurt Suzuki, Ryan Aguiar. All these guys are in a 200 or lower. Trout has been solid. He and Troy Otani in between about a 260 to a 270. Otani's been able to give you 25 plus home runs. And David Fletcher, since he's come back, he's been able to hit above a 300 in this time span for the Angels. But with the Blue Jays, you've got a lot more firepower as you've got Alejandro Kirk along Florida's Gray Elling between about a 290 to a 300. You've been able to have Romeo Tapia, Santiago Espinal, George Springer, all between a 262 to a 275. George Springer just south of 20 home runs this season. Fly Guerrero Jr., he's been slowing down after he wound up having a big spurt of home runs a few weeks ago, but still, he has been able to supply 26 bombs this season, and for the Blue Jays, very solid bullpen, as you've got a good closer, in my opinion, Jordan Romano, and then Yimi Garcia, Adam Simber, David Phelps, the newly returned Tim Meza. All these guys are providing a 3-3 ERA better, and for the LA Angels, not a lot of bullpen out for our good friend, Mr. Tucker Davidson, Jimmy Harrigan, wanted getting used up yesterday, Ryan Tapera. He's been able to provide right around about a 360 ERA. Aaron Loop has been awful this season with north of a 4 ERA. When you're relying upon guys like Geraldo Reyes and Andrew Wants for innings, it's not necessarily something that you want for this bunch with the Blue Jays. Want to lay up to a minus 123 on the run line. I do think that they're going to be able to get right in this spot. They might have saying by totally at 8.7 as well. I think that Davidson gives up some runs, but I do think that Stripling does a good job of siming an LA Angels team that may have shown really, other than that outlier on Friday, they're not generating a lot of runs. So, looking at the under and looking at the Jays on the run line. 967, 968 on the bang board. The Houston Astros, they play us to the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Voth is going to be going for the Orioles and Justin Verlander is on the bump for Houston. Houston between a minus 250 to a minus 255 favorite. And with the Orioles, you're going to be getting them between a plus 215 to a plus 230 price. Seven is your total over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. And I do like that under with Joseph Verlander. He's right now the front runner for the Cy Young Award. And rightfully so, he has been a masterful Getting nine strikeouts per nine innings at his advanced age. And he seems to be getting stronger as the season winds up going along. I know that there have been some rumors that maybe they wind up limiting his pitch count towards back half of the season. I do think that that could be a possibility, but they aren't going to do it here in late August. That will be probably coming in his last like start or two. But with that said, for Verlander, he has allowed a combined seven runs over the course of his last five starts, going six-plus innings in every one of them. For Verlander, he's done his best work actually on the road with a buck seven. 78 road area compared to a buck 99 ERA at home, but when your worst attribute is that you've got a buck 99 ERA at home, you know what? It speaks volumes as to how good of a season it's been. He's given up fewer than two bucks per nine innings, but for Austin Voth, he's really been able to round into a halfway decent starter for Baltimore. He has now given up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts, completing five plus innings in every one of them. They did need to wind up stretching him out. He is now stretched out to be able to lend some good length and as a member of the Baltimore Orioles, a 285 ERA after he had a 1013 ERA with the Washington Nationals. He has been rehabilitated. He's getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate has been relatively solid and it's going up against the Houston Astros lineup that it is one that is a little bit down for past years. Still obviously very formidable as Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, all between 18 and 22 home runs thus far this season. You've been able to have Jordan Alvarez provide a 400 on base, but take a look at it. Over the last three days, he's been not necessarily supplying the deep ball like he normally does. His batting average is down to about a 250 in the time span. Now, you do have Christian Vasquez in a 290. And then for Tucker, Alex Bregman, Alain Trey, Boomo, Mancini, they're in between about a 262 to 270. But for the Baltimore Orioles, 
Lots of balance with this team. Ryan McCastle, Adelie Rushman, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Ryan McKenna, Ramon Udias, all these guys. Have been able to hit between about a 248 to a 268 in the case of Mullins. Pretty much everyone else, a 260 or lower. Santander has been the main form of the deep ball with 21 home runs this season, but a lot of guys with a double-digit amount of bombs. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they can go toe-to-toe with the season Astros bullpen. The Astros and the Yankees have been jockeying one and two in terms of bullpen ERA this season. And for the Astros, it's been a very good year for guys like Ryan Stanek, Seth Martinez, Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley, all these guys with a 3-2 ERA or better. But on the Orioles' side, all these guys wind up having that 3-2 ERA or better. Joy Crevio, Keegan Aiken, Felix Batista, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate. So, You've got two very good bullpens. You've got, in my opinion, a guy in Austin Volta is starting to find himself. Justin Verlander has been incredible this season, but I do think that the Orioles are going to do just enough to be able to get to Verlander, getting north of plus 225. I'm willing to take a shot on the scrappy Orioles team, and when it comes to this total, set mine at a 6.9, so looking under as well, 969-970 on the betting board. It is the Walker Texas Rangers. They play us to the Detroit Tigers as Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigers, and Koji Ihara is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. Rangers are between minus 156 and minus 165 favorites, between plus 140 and plus 148. Your price on the Tigers, 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. The under is minus 120. And the over is even with the Rangers. Could only make them a minus 133 favorite. So, getting near the plus 133 here with the Detroit Tigers, that does wind up appealing to me. We did wind up seeing a start from our good friend Dallas Keiko. And what a shock! Dallas Keiko winds up giving up runs. Oh my gosh, who could have seen that coming? And thus, the Rangers bullpen a little bit down right now. And for Koji Iahara, it's hard to think that he's going to necessarily give the world's greatest start himself. As for Koji Iahara, he has now made two starts, never been too much of a swing and miss guy. And thus far, through his two starts, not too bad. 11 and two-thirds innings. He has wound up giving up three runs in the stretch, giving up one homer, nine strikeouts. I do think that him going up against the Detroit Tigers, obviously a little bit of a booster. And he did wind up having his first two starts come against the Oakland A's and on the road against the Minnesota Twins. So a little bit favorable there. But Drew Hutchinson has been able to come along as a pitcher and has been able to deliver some good starts. Three runs are fewer in now each out of his last five starts. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up one home run over the course of his last four starts. And on the road, he's got a 364 ERA, giving up two home runs in 29 and two-thirds innings. Walks have always been a little bit of an issue for him. He is giving up right around four walks per nine innings, but I think that you've got a little bit of upside here with the Detroit Tigers, who all of a sudden they're starting to hit the ball. They have scored at least four runs and now five out of their last six games, thanks to our good friend Dallas Keuchel taking them out yesterday, and all of a sudden, you've got a little bit of firepower with this team. Now with the Detroit Tigers, they did wind up entering into Saturday's game with a total of 72 home runs this season with nobody other than Javi Baez hitting for more than 10 home runs. That's a little bit deplorable, but a lot of these guys like Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Akil Badu, you're able to go down the list of guys hitting a 220 or lower. A lot of these guys have pretty much been X'd off the list of guys that are starting. Instead, you're getting more like Willie Castro, Riley Green, or hitting in the neighborhood about a 245 to a 250. Victor Reyes has been able to move the line for this team. So the average is starting to look a little bit better with the Detroit Tigers. For the Texas Rangers, this is a team that is fully capable of being able to go deep. Nate Lowe, Marcus Simeon, Adelise Garcia, 
all have right around 20 to 21 home runs this season. Lowe has been able to 300. Corey Seager, he's been able to 255 with 26 bombs. Garcia is in that fold as well. And been able to get a little bit of contribution recently out of Mark Mathis, who's been hitting above a 300. Leody Tavares has been able to do a good solid job of being able to move the line. So you do have some upside when it comes to this Tigers lineup. But for the Tigers, other than Matt Moore along with Brock Burke, you really can't trust anyone in this bullpen. Both of them have a sub-230 ERA. Jose Leclerc has been able to do an okay job for the team as well. But Josh Saboris has in the north of 5 ERA. Dennis Santana has been terrible since the beginning of the summertime. And for the Detroit Tigers, they do have a top 8 bullpen in terms of ERA as Joe Jimenez, Alex Lang, Gregory Soto, Jose Cicerno, Andrew Chafin, Jason Foley. These guys are all providing a sub 3-3 ERA. I like the way that Hutchinson has rounded into the form. I do think that Koji Ihara is going to be able to give an okay start, especially with going up against the Detroit Tigers team. But if all I wind up getting is an 8, because right now the lone 8 and a half I'm seeing is at DraftKings, I'm out here in Las Vegas. I cannot wind up betting that. So it would be a case in which I'd be looking at an 8 over anything of a plus 133 grader willing to take a shot on the Tigers as we go 971-972 on the begging board. The New York Yankees, they hit the road face off against the Oakland A's. Zach Logue is going to be going for the A's and Clark Schmidt is on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees between minus 220 and minus 230 favorites and between plus 195 and plus 205. Your price on Oakland, eight and a half is the total. The under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. I didn't mind saying this all at an 8.3, which is a very high total when it comes to Oakland. But that said, at an eight and a half, I think that we went up a little bit too high. I do think that Zach Logue going to be lit a little bit of blaze in this spot because you do have yourself a bunch of the New York Yankees that all of a sudden they have found out how to hit again. Going into last night's game, Aaron Judge had hit a home run in three out of the last four games. He is right now trying to chase down a possibility of a 60-home run season. Anthony Rizzo has went deep 28 times out with Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, and John Carlos San. They're in between about a 222-230, but Flavor Torres has been able to give you 18 bombs. He's moving the line. You've got Isaiah Canera for left, along with Jose Trevino. In between about a 265-270, DJ Turner up. LeMayu has been a little bit banged up, but still providing a 370 on base. Andrew Benatendi has been able to get online as well. He has been able to hit a 300, and then for the Oakland A's, really, other than Shane Langoliers, who has been able to give the team 38 at-bats this season, you really don't have a single guy that's hitting above a 254. That'd be Sean Murphy, as he and Seth Brown combined 33 home runs this season, but outside of those two gentlemen, you don't have a single guy that's really hitting above a 237, which is what Chad Pinder is doing. You've got guys like Jonah Bride, Brown, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Vemio, Machine, Nick Allen, list goes on and on of guys hitting at 220 or lower. Now, for the Oakland A's, you do have quite a few good bullpen pieces, Danny Jimenez, A.J. Puck, Domingo, Acevedo, Sam Mall. You're able to throw in there Zach Jackson. All these guys will be able to provide a sub-3-2 ERA. But with the Yankees, despite the fact that they've got Clay Holmes on the injured list, and they've been a little bit inconsistent in the bullpen. They and the Houston Astros, 1-2 in terms of bullpen ERA. You've been able to have Trey Medanacchio, Alantwani Peralta, Lucas Lutke since the beginning of the month of May. I'll be able to provide sub-3 ERAs for this team. And then with Clark Schmidt, I do think that he's going to be able to land a relatively solid start. For Clark Schmidt, he's been mostly used as a long guy this season. A 218 ERA with a 5-2 record, giving up two home runs over the course of 33 innings. Not a guy that's going to go out there and just completely light the radar gun ablaze or anything like that, as he's been getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. But, I mean, for Clark Schmidt, I do think that he is worthy of getting a little bit of a starting opportunity in this spot where you're going to need to see how he winds up doing in this start, because I believe that he wanted getting one other start earlier this season. But, I think that going up against the A's team was Zach Logue, who he himself has right around a 6 ERA this season. 
very good spot to be able to build a little bit of confidence, especially with Mr. Logue having gotten right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate is two. And only he does have a 444 ERA compared to a 752 road ERA, so that'll help him out. He's not giving up the deep ball as much at home because Oakland is just so gosh darn pitcher friendly, but willing to take the Yankees up to a minus 150-ish on the run line, made them minus 230 on the money line. Right now, I'm seeing that run line at a minus 135. I'm going to look to pay the little bit of a smaller price, laying the run and half. I'm going to take the run line of the Yankees. I do think that 8.5 still a little bit too high with this ballpark semi-toilet at 8.3, looking under along the Yankees' run line. 973-974 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians at the road face-off against the Seattle Mariners. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the M's and Aaron Savali is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is an underdog. You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135 between minus 144 and minus 150 your price on Seattle. 7 is the total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105 and I did wind up making the Mariners more on a minus 170 favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're going to be able to get that anywhere between a plus 140 to a plus 145. With the way this series has been going, I would rather play it safe. I would rather take a look at the money line because the Guardians, they've got Emmanuel Claude safe. They wind up getting into a safe situation who has been absolutely dominant, but I on top of that, the guys getting him the ball. Guys like Nick Samlin and Trevor Steven, they've been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. James Karinczak has been incredible in that eighth inning as well. And then for the Cleveland Guardians, it's not a team that's necessarily going to be able to take you deep as you got Josh Naylor hitting right around 265. And then Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Amid Rosario, jo- Jose Ramirez, all a 283 batting average or greater with really Naylor and Jimenez giving you 15 home runs. Jose Ramirez, 25 home runs. Pass that, nothing. Guardians are in the bottom three in the big leagues. In terms of home runs on a per-game basis, I will say for the Guardians, over 63% of their home runs have wanted coming on the road this season, but certainly not a team that's going to be able to exploit the biggest weakness of Robbie Ray, and that is the fact that Robbie Ray is giving up the deep ball like crazy, as he's got a 375 ERA overall for the season. For Ray, he's been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but has been able to be significantly better in Seattle rather than on the road. 269 home ERA, 525 ERA on the road. Giving up right around one home run per nine innings at home, not too bad on the road. This winds up going to right around 1.8-ish, and then we were talking about it with our good friend Benton Wilson with Aaron Savali. He had a fielding independent a little bit earlier this season that was more than two points lower than his ERA. Things are starting to get online for him. He has now given up a grand total of five runs over the course of his last five starts. He did wind up spending a little bit of time on the injured list along the way, but he's also given up three walks in his last five starts. He wound up having 10 strikeouts against the Detroit Tigers. Now it is against the Detroit Tigers, but he has looked much better recently. Now he does have a 6.56 ERA on the road, but many of those starts wound up coming a little bit earlier on in the season. Things are starting to get online in terms of his fielding independent versus his ERA. And for the Seattle Mariners, since the beginning of the month of June, they've got the top open in terms of ERA. ERA in the big league says you've got Diego Casio, Andres Munoz, who are just hot messes to begin the season, really being able to lock down Pem Murphy along with Paul Sewald, Eric Swanson. They've been able to provide sub three ERAs all season long. And for the Seattle Mariners, you do have Mitch Haniger back in the fold, a guy that had north of 35 home runs last season and was really a big time hitter for them as they were trying to get into the postseason. Julio Rodriguez along with Eugenio Suarez, a combined 43 home runs. Both of these guys right around about a 320 on base with Rodriguez. A little bit more of a guy that's going to move the line now. Kirk Casale, you're able to throw in there. Carlos Santana, Abraham Toro. You do have quite a few guys hitting a 225 or lower. But with Cal Raleigh, he has been able to do a good job being able to give this team right in the neighborhood about 18 home runs this season. So I do think that Seattle has the firepower to be able to get it done. I do think that Savali might wind up giving up a little bit more of hard contact than he would like. And I do think that the Mariners, with their bullpen, they're going to be able to pull it out. Looking at the Mariners on the money line, did wind up saying my total 
at a 7.2. This is going to be a little bit more of a daytime game in Seattle, so the ball is going to be flying a little bit more than it does during the nighttime. I think we went a little bit too low on the 7 with both of these guys having tendencies to give up the deep ball, especially with Robbie Ray. So looking over and looking at Seattle, 975-976 on the bank, where the San Diego Padres at third face off against the Kansas City Royals. John Easley is going to be going for the Royals. Sean Manea is on the bump for the Padres. Padres between minus 175 and minus 180 favorites between plus 155 and plus 163 is your price on Kansas City. Nine is the total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. And when it comes to Kansas City, I did wind up saying them as an underdog of a plus 158. So now that we've gotten up to a plus 160, I'm going to be willing to take a shot with Sean Manea. There's been no consistency with him whatsoever. Now, in a battle of poopy pitchers between Ian Patrick Corbin, well, Ian Patrick Corbin actually wound up giving a relatively good start about a week or so ago. I don't think that Lightning is going to be striking twice in this instance as for Manea overall this season, a 464 ERA. The deep ball has just been flowing like wine this year, about 1.7 to 1.8 home runs for nine innings. He has been posting up an ERA of a 516 on the road. He's actually given up a couple fewer home runs on the road, but that said, it has been a case in which the command has not necessarily been there for him as well as he's given up right around 2.7 to 2.8 walks per nine innings. Strikeouts per nine rate still right around a nine. He's been a little bit unlucky, but certainly has not been the Shaman of old. And for John Easley, the big thing for him, controlling the walks. As he's got a walks per nine rate this season that is in the neighborhood about 4.6, but he's been able to do a better job in terms of his walks recently. Now, the team has not really been able to win his recent starts, but he's been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to bear down, being able to give up a little bit less hard contact in general. So I do think that that is going to be beneficial for him as he's late overall for the season. It's also been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. It is a Royals bullpen that to call it a Royal mess would be very, very polite as Amir Garrett all season long is posted up right around 5 ERA. I do like what you're able to get out of Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow. Both of these guys have sub-3 ERA. Anthony Machevich, Joe. He, Luke Weaver, both posting up massive ERAs. Carlos Hernandez, after he was a failure starter, he's on the bullpen as well. But with the Royals, I do think that they're going to be able to generate a little bit of offense of their own as MJ Melendez, who went a little bit cold recently. Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, all been able to give you at least 14 home runs. Been able to get some good at-bats out of Michael Massey, who's been able to about a 250 for the team on her Dozier. So the good job would be a move the line with a 300 on base for the San Diego Padres. Got a trio of guys, Manny Machado, Brandon Drury, along with Juan Soto, both giving you at least 20 home runs. Josh Bell, though, ever since he wanted getting into San Diego, he's been hitting below a 250. Awesome, Kim, along with Juan Soto and Will Myers. They're on there, Jose Azucar. These guys are hitting between about a 250, 260s. Kim has been able to hit about a 275 over the last 45 days, which has been solved. But for the Padres, this is also a bullpen that's not so great themselves as Josh Hader has not been what they were hoping for. That's putting it very politely north of a 12 ERA over his last 17 appearances. Nabel Grisman is able to give you multiple innings, sub-3 ERA. Nick Martinez is someone that I still think that they might want to give him some starts, especially if you do wind up seeing one or two of these guys act up like Sean Manet. He's been solid. Stephen Wilson has been a little bit of a roll that I saw there in the bullpen, and Roberts Forrest has been relatively solid, sub-3 ERA of his own, but anything north of plus 160 was willing to take a shot on the Royals, so that is where I'm going to be looking, and I did wind up making this total an 8.8. It has been a case in which Royals have had a little bit of a tougher time getting guys like MJ Melendez going, and for the Padres, their offense has been stuck in neutral as well. So looking under 
and looking at the Royals. 977, 978 on the bank board. The Arizona Diamondbacks at third face off against the Chicago White Sox. Dylan C's going to be going for the White Sox. And you've got Zach Davies on the bump for Arizona. Arizona is an underdog between plus 150 and plus 158. Between minus 165 and minus 175, your price on the White Sox. If you're looking at the White Sox run line, that is a plus 120. And 7.5 is your total over and under, both at minus 110. I want to make in the White Sox more on a minus 260 favorite. I know that this sounds extreme, but Dylan Cease, in my opinion, is the number two best starter right now in the American League. And Zach Davies, he's been much better recently for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I do think that Dylan Cease is going to make the Diamondbacks the Cease in this spot. I see a nice edge here with Dylan Cease. Now, the one thing with Dylan Cease I find to be very strange is that his ERA at home is a little bit more than a point higher than it is on the road, but overall, Dylan Cease has been just absolutely rolling. He's been able to get 12 strikeouts per nine innings. If there is is a little bit of a limiter with Dylan Cease. It is that sometimes he knocks himself out of games a little bit early because he's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings, but certainly this guy has been able to do an absolutely supreme job all season long for the White Sox, posting up a buck 78 ERA on the road, 270 at home, and then for Zach Davies. Since coming off the injured list, to his credit, he's looked significantly better as he has now made four starts since coming off the injured list, giving up a combined five earned runs. Still has been giving up the deep ball, giving up three home runs, but he's been locked down on the walks as well. That really plugged him with the Chicago Cubs. He's given up two walks or fewer in each out of his last five starts. He does wind up giving up a little bit more on the road. 437 road area compared to a 326 year eight at home. And 11 home runs in 55 and two-thirds innings. Now with the White Sox, they do rank in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. But you do have a trio of guys at the top that are able to give you a double-digit amount of homers as Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, along with Jose Abreu. I've been able to provide that now. Robert looks like it's going to be out of the fold in this one, but those three guys, coupled with Eloy Jimenez, they've all been able to at least at 294 for the team. Gavin Sheets has been solid as well. He's hanging right around at 260, and they've kicked the tires on a little bit of a young guy in Rami Gonzalez, who's been able to provide at the top. You do have guys like Laurie Garcia, Yasmani Grandal that have not necessarily been too terrific, but they have been able to get quite a bit of production at the top, and the White Sox, one of the best teams at being able to get on base in the big leagues for the years and the Diamondbacks. They still rank in the bottom eight in terms of batting average, but you've been able to get a little bit more out of Christian Walker hitting north of a 250 since the All-Star break. 30-plus home runs this season. Dalton Varsho, he's been able to do a solid job slugging out 18 home runs this season. And for the Diamondbacks in general, a little bit less than a home run per game at home. On the road, they do wind up getting more like 1.3 home runs per game as well. Josh Ross has been able to about a 285. Alec Thomas has been able to move the line. They get back Ketel Marte after he was dealing with a hamstring injury. He's hitting about a 250. But for the Diamondbacks, other than Joe Mantiply, who's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, it's been a tough bullpen. Kyle Nelson along John Poppin are currently on the injured list. And then you've got Mark Melanson, along with someone like Luis Frias. You're able to throw in there Noe Ramirez. These guys both have up a 450 ERA worse. That's not great. And then Ronaldo Lopez and Jimmy Lambert, sub 3-3 ERAs after being failed starters. You've had Liam Hendricks along Kendall Graveman do a solid job as an 8th, ninth inning duo. I think that C's going to be able to do a great job of stymieing this Arizona Diamondbacks team. I'm willing to lay a price on the run line, and I'm currently getting a plus 120. I'm going to take that plus 120 run line with the White Sox. Do you I'm saying my toilet has 7.2 because I think that C's just going to be able to dominate in this start. So, looking at the under on 7.5 as well, we wrap things up with 979-980 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins play us to the San Francisco Giants. Jacob Junis is going to be going for the Giants, and Aron Sanchez is on the bump for Minnesota. A to Z total over and under, both at minus 110 between minus 115 and minus 120. Your price on Minnesota, and even money to plus 105 is your number on San Francisco. I think this line should be reversed. I want to take the Giants at a minus 132. I have zero faith whatsoever in Aaron Sanchez. 
His minor league numbers have never been great. It looked like he was going to be able to turn over a new leaf when he was acquired by the Houston Astros. He wound up getting injured there. He wound up pitching a little bit for the Washington Nationals. It did not go well with the Washington Nationals. Now, I will say in two starts since the beginning of the month of August, he has went nine innings, giving up four runs. So a little bit of indifference. One of those starts was against the Detroit Tigers. So it's a little bit of a confidence booster. But I mean, for Aaron Sanchez, never has necessarily been a guy that has lit up the radar gun. He's getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, even a little bit less than that. His walks per nine rate right in the neighborhood about 2.3, 2.4. But even though I do think the Minnesota suits him relatively well, I do think that the San Francisco Giants going to be able to do a solid job. I'll be able to bat to ball. You've got a pair of guys at the top giving you between 16 and 18 home runs apiece in Wilmer Flores along Jock Peterson. These two gentlemen coupled with Tommy Lasella, Thario Estrada all in between about a 248 to a 260 throw in there. Luis Gonzalez as well. You've had Austin Slater do a solid job of being able to move the line as well. Joey Bart ever since he also break, he's been named north of 275 and then for the Minnesota Twins are currently missing Byron Buxton. Their main form of power 28 home runs, home run every about 12 or so bats now. You do have Ode Palunco, Carlos Correa, along with Miranda giving you between 13 and 15 home runs with Miranda, Nick Gordon, Correa, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Gio Urshela, Gilberto Cicino. All these guys are in between about a 262, 275. Luis Arise hitting a 320. Good table setter for the team and for the San Francisco Giants. The bullpen numbers themselves don't look great, but you do have a pair of guys in John Brebbia along with Camilo Duvall who have been able to do a solid job throwing their Jordan Garcia and all three are providing a 3-2 ERA or better. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, Yohan Duran leads the big leagues in terms of 100 plus miles per hour pitches from a relief arm. He's been able to give you a sub-2-5 ERA or a Lopez has been solid giving a sub-2 ERA all season long. Michael Fulmer has been a nice acquisition, but when you do wind up getting into guys like Emilio Pagan and company, it can be tough. Trevor McGill has seen a little bit of regression, and I do think that Jacob Junis is going to be able to do a solid job here for Jacob Junis overall for the season. has been able to provide a 358 ERA, giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Now a guy that's going to just completely light it up in terms of strikeouts as he's been getting right around 7.8, 7.9 per nine innings, but on the road has been consistent. 367 road ERA, giving up four home runs in 34 and a third innings, and I don't have that sort of faith in Sanchez. So looking at the Giants with a plus price, set by total at an 8.7, I think that both of these teams going to do a good job of finding a way on base. So looking at the over as well, and that wraps things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Ben Wilson of VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're about firing whatever you'd like here on this podcast. So I have that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.